Hey everyone and welcome to this episode of the Transaction Podcast. This is episode 11 of season 2, which is amazing. We've only got one more uh, bonus episode after this one. And then that is season 2 rounded up. Uh, I'm already in talks with some really interesting people for uh, season 3. Uh, but I won't lie to you, I'm looking forward to a little rest because uh, it's been pretty intense. And I've also been called back to my day job, which I was furloughed from for a while. So I'm now juggling two jobs uh, in the space of five days so you can imagine how that's going but uh, I just want to reassure you that doing this podcast and all of my sort of advocacy work is uh, and coaching is really what I love and that's what I'm working towards doing full-time so uh, I'm not going anywhere it's just uh, I might look a bit more tired in these videos and maybe sound a bit more tired <laughs> uh, anyway this episode, I interviewed Randy Lee, who is a two-spirit person from Canada. Um, we'll talk more with Randy about what that means, but two-spirit people, um, it's an indigenous term, meaning somebody who has both the feminine and the masculine energies within them, and how that manifests is different from person to person. For somebody, uh, it might manifest in having um, perhaps a different sexuality or gender identity or something like that. It might not make any difference in those areas at all. It really depends on the person. But from a spiritual perspective, and uh, particularly in some parts of native culture, um, two-spirit people are very highly regarded, which is lovely. And I think for me, coming from uh, British culture, where we don't have anything like that, you know, there's something about it that's quite magical to me. So, yeah, it's really interesting and I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we start, uh, if you haven't signed up to our mailing list, please, please do. It's uh, a gr the green box at mooksharrishill.com forward slash transaction. You just put your name and your email address in there. It takes two seconds and then you'll get uh, an email uh, no more than once a week. We'll email you when an episode comes out or... Um, and then also, uh, if we've got any news in there and things that we want to tell you about. So, yeah, only once a week. We won't spam you, uh, Pinky Promise. You can also find us on social media, on Facebook, The Transaction Podcast, on Instagram, at Transaction Podcast, and Twitter, at Transaction P. We're also on TikTok, at Transaction Podcast. Um, we haven't filmed anything on uh, for TikTok that's like, fun and that we it's we really only use it to make the videos for the uh, episode releases which are quite fun there's often we've often got uh, gifts in there of kermit and uh zebras that are rave and things like that it's uh it's very short but it's a bit bit of a laugh in it anyway enjoy this episode and i will see you on the other side to this episode of the Transsexual Podcast, where I'm joined today by Randy Lee. Hi. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, for those of you who... Me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. 
those of you who don't know, Randy's actually been my apprentice, my online apprentice for some months now. It's been ages, I think. I can't even remember when you started. Was it September? Something like that, or like October, maybe, I think. No, I'm it's, sure. Yeah, it's been a while anyway. It has, it has been a, a little go for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So um, tell our listeners uh, where you're from and where, you know, what your family's like and your background yeah. and that. Yeah, for sure. So um, I actually come from a small, cl- uh, small town called Fort Francis, Ontario. It's here in Canada um it's a very low population it's surrounded by a few different reserves uh the first few years of my life I actually grew up on Kuchiching First Nation um and uh I moved to Winnipeg Manitoba um about five years ago and I've been kind of just kicking it in the city for for the last few years figuring things out working my way up those corporate ladders etc <laughs> So, cool. Yeah, that's cool. So you grew up on a reservation. Um, so for those who don't really understand what that's all about, can you tell tell us a little bit about what what reservations are all about and and the culture and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. So um, years and years and years ago, uh, I guess the British made treaties with the indigenous people that lived here. Um, from what they say in the history books it was all very amicable it was all of these treaties were nicely signed on their dotted lines and uh the indigenous people here agreed to uh move on to these small spots of land called reservations um and historically this isn't hasn't been the best approach for people like us um They were policed by the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mountie Police, Mountie Police. Um, And essentially people were stuck there unless they agreed to become colonized. Um, So uh, basically the way that it worked is my little small town, Fort Francis, Ontario, was set up next to one of these reserves. Uh, There's actually a few that are kind of in the general vicinity. And the intention behind this was to make everybody mix and create people like me. So being on the reservation, growing up there, it's kind of bittersweet because not it's a beautiful place to live. We have lakes, we have trees. I have a cabin like 20 miles by boat up Rainy Lake. So uh, it was very beautiful growing up there, but at the same time, there's an ugly kind of undertone to growing up on the reservation, especially for, for someone like me, it was a little bit odd because I didn't even realize that I was white until I was like five years old. I, all my cousins are brown. All of my, you know, a lot of my uh, family members are are very, I, I guess they appear more indigenous than, than I do. So um, it was a little bit of an interesting experience growing up on the reservation, coming to realize that I don't want 100% kind of belong there. Um, And this definitely started to really resonate with me in my teenage years as I experienced like quite a bit of tribalism from schoolmates from other reserves and things like that. So it's definitely been an interesting experience for sure. Mm. So I'm guessing that the um, indigenous side is from your mum, is that right? 
Um, actually, both. So what's uh, cool about me is I am, uh, I believe, a fifth generation Métis person on my mom's side and on my dad's side, I'm also Métis. So a lot of people in Canada, like when you're asking about, you know, backstories or, you know, background, you know, obviously Canada is a, a giant mel melting pot from people from all over the world, right? We're really big on immigration. Um, there's people that grew up here that had parents or grandparents that were also immigrants. So um, for me, if I were to list off my, my motherlands, there's about eight different things that I could actually call myself. Yeah. Um, so growing up with that experience too was a little bit weird because you kind of have like a, a cultural or identity crisis really because a lot of our indigenous culture was lost and then it's like, well, am I Scottish? Am I French? Am I Norwegian? Am I a mix of all of these things? So growing up, finding out about my own identity and where I want to sit at culturally has, has been a little bit of a, a challenge um, because you, you don't know where to follow. And when your family is not culturally aware of their own history as well, it kind of puts a damper. And then you have to take on this Canadian kind of culture and to be honest for me personally like indigenous people are supposed to be sovereign to the Canadian government so I have my own little kind of vendetta there as well so yeah so so but you grew up on the reservation didn't realize till you were five that you were anything other than an indigenous right yeah um the way that my mother like explained to like for example my my aunt is is very her appearance is very indigenous is very native and my but my uncle he's a Newfoundlander he's very white <laughs> and the way that my uh my mom kind of explained things to me was that just some people are chocolate and some people are vanilla and that's it people have different flavors and so race was never a real concept to me growing up it was there was not really a divide because I had family members that are white I have family members that are indigenous um the struggle there being that my family and no offense to them like they've just done the best that they can throughout their life navigating the same things that I have to navigate mm. but they're a little bit whitewashed right like um a lot of my family members have lost sight of their culture and things like that. So you do even see sometimes them being inadvertently racist or, or maybe not racist, but uh, prejudiced against people of different skin colors, that kind of thing. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, guys, what are you doing? What is this? Like, people are people. It doesn't matter, right? Um, but it's... Uh, a little bit complicated I think especially when you don't have a solid like I can't solidly say like hey I'm Scottish we wear kilts we do the bagpipe thing we do you know dancing all that kind of stuff although part of that was my upbringing there is also you know the Norwegian food there's also culturally we would go out and fish and hunt and um you know smudge and sage and uh become more aligned with creator, that kind of thing. So uh, when it's inconsistent like that, 
it kind of gets a little bit confusing, especially for a young person trying to figure themselves out. Yeah, I, I relate to that a lot because um, my grandmother uh, was from India and she came over in 1949 when she was nine years old. Um, and we always knew that she was from India, but she would never acknowledge that she was uh, not white. So, okay. uh, and that was really <laughs> odd for me because I was like, but you're from India and you're brown and you don't look like the other people that I like go to school with or, you know, whatever, especially primary school. My secondary school was um, very multicultural, but the, you know, that was really confusing. And um, like my great grandfather who married my great grandmother after my grandmother was already born. So we don't think that he was my grandmother's biological father. Okay. Um, and you know, he, he would often say about my great grandmother that she was Irish or make up some bizarre reason as to why she, she wasn't white. And it was really weird. So we grew up with this real kind of like shame around being not white and, um, and almost to the point where, you know, like my, my grandmother, you know, she was very uh, correct and proper. She was quite naughty sometimes, but I, I almost felt like because she'd internalized this uh, shame about her own color, that she that that would then she would then project that out to other people mm -hmm. or she'd be like oh that that person's um very dark skinned and I'd be like but why why is that an issue and she she couldn't really explain and she would never so I think it was 2016 I ended up getting a DNA test uh just so that I could hand it to them on paper or whatever and say look we're Indian stop fucking around because mm -hmm. I was so like like you in some ways I guess I was just so sick of the inconsistency of it and the fact that people were kind of trying to run away from the heritage I don't know how because I look at them and I'm like there's no way you, you can pretend to be something else like we can all see you <laughs> yeah um, uh so I got it I got it done and sure enough it came back with this ma massive chunk of Indian um a little bit I think there's a little bit of like Sri Lankan and other bits in there but you know it was mostly uh Indian and what is now modern day Pakistan okay. so once once it was on paper it was there I then showed it to my mum and she had to admit it after that she was like right <laughs> and then after that my dad got his done and his is all like scandinavian um you know like from kind of the coastline from england and then scandinavia like all around the oh i forget my geography is rubbish but that sea that separates yeah. us from scandinavia it's from from all around there so um i was like well it's not dad <laughs> so <laughs> from you and uh, my mum was like, are you going to tell your grandmother? Are you going to tell her that you've done this test? So I was like, no, no, uh, I wouldn't dare. You can, you can tell her if you want to. <laughs> and uh, so sure enough, my mum got hers done and then she was like, right. I was like, yeah. yeah. There it is. So it's funny because I, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like I've been 
done a lot of dealing with and confronting a lot of like generations of trauma and bullshit mm-hmm. and I think it's really awkward and uncomfortable and sort of but you know you've got that righteous anger as well yeah yeah it, it definitely is um like for me I, I I feel like it was definitely awkward navigating a world where you're trying to a connect to your culture but b you you look different than anybody else that comes from where you come from now uh where I grew up it was a little bit more common to be Métis like our whole family is like kind of born of that but what you the result that you get out of that is all kinds of different people with different ideologies and everybody like when we should be uniting we're just fighting each other you know what I mean so some people are like well you know it happened and colonization is the reason why we can live this beautiful wonderful life and all of this stuff and it's like but uh, is it worth the expense right and not enough people stand up for the indigenous population here because of all of the prejudices and and things that people say about you know native people like um i used to work at a walmart for example um in thunder bay ontario a while ago and the people that uh were my co-workers i guess we you know we we started to get to know each other obviously when you work in close proximity with people that tends to happen um but and i don't know why i never mentioned or i guess it never came up in conversation but i never told anybody that i was native and then you know every once in a while we would have a troubled customer trying to steal something or that's unruly whatever right and it's those moments where you really see the racists start to come out of their their dark recesses i guess because then you have all of these people that you think that you know saying to you to your face oh you know i can't stand natives because they're drunks and they're this and they're that and they steal and they whatever and you kind of feel like a secret spy a little bit right like when you're in those situations you're like and now when i was younger i didn't say anything now i don't take it because i'm just like you know what to my face you just said that and i like i literally am native like you can't say shit like that it's not cool but in growing up and figuring myself out and stuff right you kind of just let those situations because you don't want to be the cause of a confrontation or this or that right so I would run into situations like that all the time where you know you you think that you know oh yeah you know these people are chilling they're good and then when you get to know them a little bit better you realize that they're racist and not only are they racist but they're racist against the the very people that you come from so it's like you can't really find that solace anywhere that you go right um at at home you try to get you know social concepts through to you know your parents your your family and things like that but if they've been whitewashed it's harder to like really be like but this like you should care about this right and then on the other hand you know you try to conform and and join join the crowd but then you realize that while you're there you just can't stand the people that you're around so it kind of puts you in a a really strange position I think 
Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's really funny because um, I, I very much acknowledge that, you know, I completely pass as white mm -hmm. and I make absolutely no argument uh, to the contrary. Um, but at the same time, I feel like because I've, I've grown up with um, Indian family and, um, you know, our, our way of talking to each other and the way that we relate, it's much more, it's much more family orientated in the first place. People uh, tend to be a lot more in each other's pockets, mm -hmm. I, I think. And also we're a lot, we're a lot funnier. Like we joke about things all the time. Like there's this real kind of freedom um, of, of sense of humor that I definitely get from that side. Mm -hmm. And where things are funny and you get the giggles all the time. And I don't know, there's just sort of like a, a lightness of life there. And, you know, uh, growing up, my gran would make us like Indian food all the time and stuff. And so despite how I look and how I'm perceived and treated in the world, which I completely acknowledge um, is quite privileged, um in the race sense anyway at the same time i don't know about you but i'm constantly aware of when i'm around like just white people mm -hmm. some of the things that they say or some of the generalizations they make even if they're not saying anything inflammatory whatsoever i often am just stunned that they're saying things and have perspectives on something Mm -hmm. that they've never experienced or or that is just so limited like so incredibly limited and um i also worry um you know i i've got like groups of friends like that i've made in adulthood and sometimes when i'm sat with them i feel permanently when i'm in their company even though they're lovely and even if we love each other so much I still feel like almost permanently aware that I'm with white people mm -hmm. and then and then equally um when I'm spending time with people who like um I've talked to so many cab drivers like last year because I didn't have a car and I was at home so I was using Uber a lot um I mean you know not during lockdowns but whilst whilst we were allowed to and the number of like Asian um cab drivers that I was talking to who are off who knew a lot about where my family come from and could tell me like oh yeah I've been to that city and would tell me so much about it I felt like I had this real moment of being with my people but at the same mm -hmm. time I've grown up <laughs> here and looking how I look and it yeah and like you were saying it's just like this constant inability to just rest somewhere mm -hmm. yeah and it's so it's so uncomfortable and um you know I, I wouldn't for for a second pitch it against the difficulty that people face when they're visibly uh, not white or anything like that but i do think it, it it has its own unique um discomfort and and mm -hmm. disjointedness and i i i do find solace often when i'm talking to other people who are mixed white mm. with something else yes because yes. you can make you can and and that's another thing like, i'm always scared i'm always scared to make a white people joke like you know it's never anything really bad um but you know like 
sometimes I want to say to somebody like and, and I, sometimes I'll say it to my sister actually because she gets it and sometimes uh, like she'll be like oh how was how was such and such a dinner and I'm like oh it's like proper white people food and she's like oh I know exactly what you mean <laughs> yeah yeah and it's not to say it's bad but it's just you know my mum and I love spicy food and we're like and my gran used to make us spicy food and we can sit there and go for it and then my dad is just like I can't cope I need like a glass of milk or <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I don't know about you, but like, yeah, I, I do, I do find a lot of solace with other people who are mixed white and something else, because I feel like you can, you can say that to that person. They know that you're not being appropriative and they also get that you do literally mean it when you're having those conversations. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. And it is really, it's, it's two sides of a coin, right? Because on one hand, if I hang out with like other, you know, Ojibwe people, um, I actually, I actually code switch, which I actually didn't even like think about before, but I, you, I speak more like how I would speak to my cousins or like my mom or like how I would in the bush, like on the res, you know what I mean? So, um, there's that side of the coin, but since I talk like that and, and all of that stuff around people who I'm familiar with or comfortable with they don't know me for who I am. They're like, what is this? Who is this poser, right? And, I, and so you, you kind of experience a little bit of tribalism there. And then on the other side of the coin, being around other white people, you just, it's just like, man, like I cannot relate to you in any way. The only thing that we have in common is the color of our skin. And, and of course, you know, acknowledging that I do have a certain degree of, of privileges because of that of course that's important to acknowledge especially when you know you grow up my brother is visibly native like he is very dark skinned he has very strong facial features that kind of thing right so we grew up in under the same household but guess who's been arrested and who hasn't mm. right so you, you kind of become hyper aware of that kind of stuff. Like me and my brother got into trouble together a lot growing up when we were kids, right? So when you can see your counterpart over here getting in trouble for stuff that you're not getting in trouble for, yeah. it's like, you really witness that, right? Um, even like my aunt has been followed around grocery stores and, you know, experience that kind of thing while I'm with her. And it's like, on one hand you're like i'm so glad that this doesn't happen to me but on the other hand it's like this should not happen to anybody mm. like my aunt is the least likely person to steal on this earth she has no reason to she there's she's she's fine where she's at you know what i mean she doesn't have the need to, to do anything like that but she still gets followed around um so it does kind of give you like a, a, a weird position in society, I think, in general. And then completely to your point, like speaking with other mixed people, it is like, hey, you you get what it's like, right? Because um, it, it's the tribalism that nobody talks about. It's the the acceptance that you don't get from any other group of people, mm. right? Like for me specifically, 
there's likely not a single person on this earth that has the same racial structure that I do. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, it's just mixed to such a degree. And it kind of puts my thought process on, on society and the way that they view skin color. And I'm like, this should be so irrelevant at this point. There are hundreds of thousands of mixed people out there their skin color has nothing to do with where they came from, right? This is why it's so important for us to make an effort of getting to know people for who they are, for where they've come from, allow them to tell you their stories and, you know, not just judge somebody based on what they look like. Because even if somebody came from a different place, why does it even matter? Mm -hmm. If anything, you can really just learn from from that person from their experiences maybe get a different perspective mm. I do I have to say though I do really understand that you know when you've been shit on fucking so many oh, times absolutely. I think that you can get really exhausted with holding that door open and thinking maybe this time it will be different mm-hmm. um and uh you know, and I, and, it, and it's ongoing trauma. I think this is a thing that a lot of people don't understand when they're like, oh, but slavery was then, or, you know, the, the culling of indigenous people was then, or the colonization was then. I'm like, no, it, it's still alive now. It's yes. still working now. Absolutely. It's still, like, it's not gone anywhere. It's just, it's just less, it's in less the in your face than yeah. when it was first established, but it's absolutely still happening like every day. Exactly. If anything, it's simply evolved to become more politically correct. Yeah. Right? Like even when you look at what's going on in the States right now, people yeah. working for slave wages, essentially. And and when you look at the demographic that that is happening to, you really have to look at the entire structure and be like, hey, somebody is profiteering off of other people yeah like literally that's what slaves were brought to the north americas for that was the whole intention um the whole intention of indigenous people having gone through both a cultural and literal genocide was to clear space for people to colonize here it's all part of the same system and to be honest in my opinion, we shouldn't be fighting each other, right? Like any minority affected by the current society, this patriarchal thing that we're living inside of right now, every single person that is being discriminated against, the reason for that is the patriarchy. The reason for that is the society that we live in. Mm -hmm. And it's not just one place that's affected either it's a global issue even if you look at like let's say poor countries in Africa why are they more poor why is their economy lower than mostly white other white populated places yeah right it, it's it's a whole thing so that's why like to be honest for me um joining the page and coming on to, uh, you know, working with you and stuff. It, I think it's important work that we're doing, to be honest with you, because the more intersectional activists that are out there, the quicker we can kind of 
shed light on this giant issue, right? It's not just a racial issue. It's not just um, it's not just a sexuality or a gender issue. All of us are being discriminated against, and there's one root cause, right? If we could get beyond the "Hey, you're different than me. I'm not going to like you." I really, really, truly believe that this world would end up being a better place. Definitely. And I, I said to, um, I interviewed a, a couple uh, of hosts from the, uh, the Homebrewed Feminism podcast the other day. And I said to them, um, if we take into consideration the numbers of all of the minorities of all different kinds and intersections and whatever, we massively, massively outweigh all of those white supremacist, patriarchal, you know, institutions and people and mm -hmm. leaders and all that stuff. We massively, massively outweigh them. And, you know, I think therefore it's absolutely, absolutely essential for everyone to, to come together for that exact reason, because actually we have an enormous power. Mm -hmm. But I think that by the status quo not really changing very much or maybe not very quickly, mm -hmm. it keeps us down. You know, if, if you're in a situation where you're, you're less likely to get a job or, um, you know, you're more likely to be poor or from a disadvantaged like background or whatever, you're more worried about surviving. You, you know, I think to, to get beyond mm -hmm. the survival of the day, I think you have to have your basic needs met and if your basic needs aren't met you can't think about anything bigger than that mm -hmm. and and also you know if you're more likely to be discriminated against by police mm -hmm. then actually doing anything doing anything at all or even making your voice heard is fucking dangerous yeah totally. and I just yeah so I just I just think yeah if if we could all band together it would it would be ideal but I still but like you were saying before, I think there's still so much tribalism and, you know, I think about like um, trans trans medicalists who are like, oh, you're not you're not trans unless you're trying to pass and you're not trans unless you're trying yeah. to completely uh, replicate a cis person like whatever. Um, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, it's difficult. And I, and I think I don't know about you, but I do sometimes get imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um but then i have to remember sort of all of all of the things that i've been through and uh like you don't get racism aimed at you specifically but like you were saying before you feel like a spy yeah. and i know you you've shared with me a story before about about people saying something and not realizing and there was one when i was in my teens um the popular racism at the time was to call asian people packies which I absolutely hate. It it really mm -hmm. enrages me. And I was sat next to a friend one lunchtime in town. We we were at school, but we'd come out at lunchtime to. I think we were sat in the like graveyard or something. <laughs> it was very pretty graveyard mm -hmm. on a sunny day, eating our lunch on a bench. And she said, "Did you?" And this mate I sat next to, I've known since I was eleven years old. She was like, "Did you see that packy?" I was like, "Why do? Why the fuck are you saying that?" I was, like, I was like that's fucking racist she's like oh and she sort of didn't look like she was a bit like oh well and I was like you know I'm part I'm part Asian right and she was like oh 
oh I didn't I didn't know that and I was like it shouldn't fucking matter no it shouldn't matter whether you knew it or you didn't know it you shouldn't fucking say it if I ever hear you saying that again like I will literally smack you yeah (laughs) she was like all right (laughs) well and that's the thing right like it doesn't matter who's around you I don't care if you're sitting in the middle of your living room listening to to music and you think that you can slip that word out it's still not okay even if you're by yourself you know what that means you know that you're not supposed to say it you're this it's unacceptable yeah like when um and I have a similar story to that too like when I was um I went to this like house party this was maybe a couple years ago and there's all of these folks from this little town we call Steinbeck and they're notoriously like they're farmers white people like that's where they're at it's very small city so I go to this house party and I'm there with my friend and we're all sitting around and they're playing this like this heads up game so it's basically you put the phone on your forehead like this and there's a word that pops up and everybody else has to make you guess the word so you know they went through a few rounds I wasn't really feeling it so I was like you know I'll just watch and this one word comes up called tribe and here I'm thinking in my head oh here we go so and I kid you not there's maybe six or seven people in the room myself and my friend Justina and she knows like everything about me right she is a good friend and we're sitting there And the word tribe comes up and I kid you not, all of these white people took a minute, took a full minute to look around, make sure that there is nobody around that they're going to offend. And then they do this like tribal, like indigenous war cry, like you would see in Peter Pan, like this thing, right? And me and Justina just looked at each other and we were like, in shock, like I just started laughing because I was like, as if like I could not even believe that I just witnessed this and I'm like that was the moment where I'm like I don't think I can have any white friends (laughs) (laughs) like I I don't I I was so blown away I had to leave like and usually like like I said like you know I you want to say something but at the same time you're like do I really want to start a cause a scene in the middle of a party with all of these people? They're not going to change because I caused a scene. So mm. I was like, I'm just going to exit myself from this conversation because clearly I have no way to relate with any of these people. So yeah. it's, it is crazy. You feel like a spy and people when they don't think that, you know, there's anyone around to offend will say anything. Yeah it's sad yeah yeah and I have to say like in England uh, politically uh, immigration has been a big topic for a while I mean it, I guess it always has been anyway um but in recent years friends have been like don't want any fucking Im- immigrants here but these are friends of mine and I'm like I only exist because of fucking immigrants mm-hmm. I wouldn't I literally wouldn't be here mm-hmm like I am born of immigrants and actually a lot of people probably if they did their family history would probably find it's the same for them and they just didn't know because it wasn't recent enough that they can pull this shit (laughs) and um yeah I've had friends and I've had to say to them like 
you know, last year uh, when I was in Australia, I, I made a couple of friends and they were cousins, but they didn't really know each other. One of them I'm still good friends with and we're still in, in contact. But his cousin, a y- bit younger than he, um, I just found him spouting this absolute sort of white supremacist bullshit about immigrants on Facebook. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, first of all, you're an Irishman working in Australia you <laughs> about being a fucking immigrant. Second of all, you're friends with a bunch of immigrants. And he was like, oh, it's, it's different though, it's different. And I was like, it is not fucking different. It is not different. I said, you're being an absolute, I called him a C word and I don't say that very much, but I was really cross. Yeah, and, and he and he started laughing at what I was saying, and I said to him, "I'm so disappointed, but I think it's clear to say you're no friend of mine." And then I unfriended him, and I haven't spoken to him since. And um, I just I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, how how can you sit there and have a drink with me, or a cup of tea, or share a meal, and still say this? Yeah. Is- it is not different I'm sorry but it isn't and the sad thing about that is like people think that it's different because when you just say oh these immigrants or this immigrant or whatever like they don't think of real people when they're talking about an immigrant they think of this kind of like how Nazi Germany painted the Jews right they they think of a caricature or something that doesn't someone a person that doesn't even exist they don't think yeah exactly and it's like this could easily happen to your family if there's a crisis that happened or something really terrible and you ended up having to vacate the place where you came from then this situation could land on you so easily and then what yeah yeah my best friend's mum um who's sort of like a second mum to me growing up She's not religious, but there's a phrase that she's, she uses all the time and she's not afraid to wheel it out. And, and the phrase is there, uh, but for the grace, there, but for the grace of God go I, meaning mm. you're just fucking lucky. That is it. Yeah. And, you know, you can't have a go and like at, at people on benefits or welfare when you're you're one disaster away from that being you yep exactly and uh yeah i don't know but it's interesting isn't it when when i have seen um and it's a lot of the time it is young men that i see who've posted things like that and that i've fallen out with over um them being sort of like racist and anti-immigration and all the other things so often they're so passionate about what they're saying they really they're really angry and I'm like I don't really know why (laughs) although I I saw a funny a really funny meme some time ago that said um uh you know privileged privileged dudes are only angry because they've had every opportunity and they're still a fucking failure and I was like oh (laughs) oh wow wow But it is true. If you have this much to complain about, what's lacking in your own life? That, mm. it, like, if you have everything 
handed to you on a silver platter and you're able to keep up your bills, you have a happy home life. People don't lash out at other people who are happy unless somebody else threatens that happiness. So I really take it as either you're threatened for whatever reason, you're scared of something that probably doesn't even exist, or you're jealous. At the end of the day, people, I'll be honest, sometimes I just really think that people suck at the end of the day, especially when, you know, you're being willfully ignorant, not trying to put yourself in in somebody else's shoes. And I think that cishet white males, from my experience, are the worst off for this, right? Because they they technically like in this world they have all of everything that they need to become successful in their lives they have you know society backing them they have you know all of this opportunity not to say that everybody takes advantage of it but there is a lot of opportunity there and i think that people who act that way like somebody else is a threat to their happiness they just don't know how to take advantage of mm the world that they live in right like that's not my fault you're either going to get on board and fight this because you see that other people are are suffering or you're going to take advantage of it so choose because you don't get to be ignorant yeah exactly although I sometimes do feel that you know men technically you know cishet white guys technically have the most uh especially in the Western world, might often technically have the most opportunities. But I would say that they also have to chop pieces of themselves off yeah. to get to get it. Yes, and absolutely. I, so, I sometimes wonder if there's resentment there because it's like, you know, I'm struggling. I can't do that. And yet somebody else can come along and take the opportunity that I feel is mine or. Yeah. You know, like I want all those things and I want to do it, but I can't and I struggle or, you know, maybe it's a mental health thing or I don't know. Yeah, that's that's extremely valid. And, you know, um, the, but that's why the, my fight has always been against the patriarchy, against this, the like white supremacist society that we all live in, because it does. It affects everybody negatively in different ways. Right. Um when you look at little boys being told to stop crying, you know, when you look at non-binary people trying to get any kind of validity, right? When you, when you look at black people just trying to not get shot by the police, right? It's, it affects everybody in some way. The only people that really benefit from the current structure are the people at the top the people that are making the profits. And even then it makes me wonder actually how happy are they? Because yeah. money doesn't fulfill you completely. Like there's there's no way. Um, so maybe it's a spiral, right? Oh, I have all of this money. I can take care of my children's 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 children. I don't have to worry about that, you know, but a vacation in Bali by yourself is never going to be fun just by yourself no well it, it, it is the, the number one thing at the bottom of happiness is human connection mm -hmm. but 
uh, I have seen, um, I can't remember exactly what the meme says, it, something like money can't buy happiness, but it's much more comfortable crying in the back of a limo than on a park bench. <laughs> it is true. It is true. But uh, there's some people out there that have so much money that they will never have to want in their lives, right? Um, that's, it's disproportionate. They're, you know, and again, another symptom of the, the patriarchy, really, if you think about it, there are the elite members of our society making all so much money that they'll never spend it in their lives. And then there's other people that are just trying to figure out a way to eat tomorrow. Mm. It's, I, it's not fair. And, you know, my mom always told me, well, life isn't fair, but why not? Why are we, you know, like, why are we allowing ourselves to continue to participate in the society when it hurts more people than it benefits? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that a lot. So, Randy, I wanted to ask you, because um, obviously in, in my work of teaching people about gender identity, uh, one of the labels uh, that gets brought up sometimes is two spirit mm -hmm. but obviously uh, that's an indigenous term mm -hmm. but at least for some for some communities do you want to tell us a bit about that and and what two spirit means to you and do you, in any of the tradition if you know about it yeah for sure so um two-spirited people in in my culture are uh were historically highly actually regarded in their communities um sometimes it means uh so it's hard to equate it to be honest to any person that really exists on either the trans spectrum or even a spectrum of sexuality because it's kind of a mix of those things yeah. um from my understanding it means that people like us have two spirits inside of us one of male energy and one of female energy um, and historically we were actually held in high regard because uh, it said that having all of that wisdom from two different spirits inside of you uh, it gives you more wisdom it's we have certain like spiritual journeys and different um, things that we do like fasting or going on spirit walks and things like that, where we get uh, sent messages from the creator or whoever it is based, you know, just for our own lives, what's best for the communities and things like that. Um, but typically two-spirit people were leaders in their communities because of that special trait that they have. Um, so it it's not necessarily being gay, um, but it's also not necessarily being like non-binary or trans or anything like that it's more we are one body for two spirits and both spirits have separate needs right so, so it's kind of like having two spirits is is just is is only definitely the idea of just having those two energies spirits like and wisdom and then however that manifests is different for every person right absolutely absolutely cool. and um 
I've, I've actually found a lot of uh, solace in that label, to be honest with you, because for the longest time I struggled with my identity, like both culturally, like as a whole ass person, you know, um, when I, because I knew about Two-Spirit for a long time, and I'm like, yeah, I could probably, you know, get down with that. But when I really started diving into like my own gender, gender identity and my sexuality, and I started learning more about being Two-Spirit, I'm like, okay, that's, that feels like it fits the best, right? Um, I'm, I'm not necessarily non-binary, which I thought it was for a while, because it's not that I'm neither, it's more of that I'm both, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. um, I think that the best way to describe it so that people would understand it's like being gender fluid mm -hmm. you know one day I might wake up and feel more masculine and other days I wake up and I feel more feminine and my tastes and my interest in people kind of reflects the same yeah yeah that's cool yeah I I often um I really enjoy hearing like these other indigenous, more kind of like grounded and spiritual aspects of things, because mm -hmm. I think particularly in the white uh, LGBT community, I think that there's a lot of uh, religious trauma and therefore like for a long time, there's been such a rejection of, of not just religion, but spirituality in general. And obviously mm -hmm. this is a generalization, but I just see it a lot. Um, but for me, like ha having come some kind of spirituality, like for me, that ties into everything. It, it ties mm -hmm. into like how I see things and like how I relate to people. And I find particularly with people who are like gender fluid or non-binary or trans or something, I feel that when I connect to that person and I feel like I'm seeing them spiritually, like I 100% get it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, when I'm talking to somebody and I know their pronouns, I know their name, like for me, it's so easy to see exactly like who they are and like their gender identity or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's so obvious to me. But I, I met a lot of people who are a bit more, um, you know, non-spiritual. They're much more like materialistic. I mean that in the in the physical sense, not not like owning things, but like, uh, you know, they're very grounded in in the real world. Yeah. Where, you know, they're like, if I can't see it or smell it or touch it, then it's bollocks. You know. <laughs> yeah. But I see them struggle a lot more. And sometimes I see them misgender somebody. And I'm like, you you can't see, you can't be seeing this person if that's what you're saying. You can't yeah. be seeing this person if if uh, misgendering them is just so so easy for you to do. There's no connection there. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I I really enjoy like hearing obviously it's, it's not my culture but like hearing about other cultures where these these aspects of us could actually be revered and I think mm -hmm. sometimes that's why uh, particularly two-spirit um, people get brought up so much in um, LGBT wider community because mm -hmm. there's this I think there's a real fascination with with um, 
you know, potentially had we been born in another community or in another culture, that not only would we not be treated like shit, but actually people would want our, our wisdom and our contribution. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be honest, like the way that I view people is not by what their physical is, but at the end of the day, and this is my personal spirituality opinion, like I'm sure that other people have other views on this, but personally, I view us all as just spirits or souls that are driving meat suits currently in this physical plane. Yeah. So when you kind of think about it that way, things like gender or race kind of don't matter anymore because you're starting to view people for who they are inside of that meat suit rather than okay well where did that meat suit come from I need to make sure that it's not from these three four different places or what color is it because I need to make sure that it aligns with my own color like it's it like literally doesn't make any sense to me the logic of people being afraid of other people because of the color of their skin or because of their their gender or their sexuality or anything about that that's what's beautiful about the human race is that we're all different and we can learn from each other and at the end of the day you 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 could end up with the most attractive person in the world and still be unhappy because you don't connect with that person properly Mm. and that goes for any relationship at friendship family anything right Mm. if you don't if you don't connect on that spiritual level or that that deeper on that higher vibration at the end of the day it's just going to be a materialistic encounter yeah yeah definitely so how so you're sort of working out your identity and all of that stuff um because I know spirituality has come into it a lot for you and and particularly Mm -hmm. with like your tarot readings and all that stuff so tell us about like how that's all developed and you've got into the, the spiritual side a bit more. Yeah, so um, I had left my ex and moved out by myself for the first time ever about like a year ago, uh, November. Um, and I found myself completely alone when I am used to being surrounded by people all the time. So the I moved out last November, so the pandemic hadn't quite settled in here yet. There was still freedom to do whatever we wanted to do. Um, but to be honest, a lot of the people that I was surrounding myself with at the time, a lot of the fr- friends that I had in my life kind of just disappeared after my life kind of shit hit the fan. So I started doing my own tarot readings just on myself because I didn't want to like misadvise anybody, kind of wanted to get the ropes of it. And, you know, I started learning um, a few different, I started using a few different tarot decks just on myself. um, And I found that it's a really great way to allow your higher self to speak to you. I don't 100% see it as fortune telling or anything like that. I think that the receiver of a reading is responsible for determining what this means for them. And in terms of the future, it's always going to be 
you know, what your current trajectory is. So um, I really took a lot of solace in, in doing the tarot readings. Um, and I found myself connecting with source or, you know, the universe creator, whatever you want to call it. To me, it's all the same thing. Um, but I really found myself connecting. And that's actually a huge way that I, I got through all of the solitude. Um, and I honestly took the whole pandemic as, I guess, the universe telling me, okay, you need to slow down and, and work on yourself and figure out what your purpose is in this crazy world. And um, so I started a, a little Facebook page. I started kind of just connecting with like-minded people. And that's also very fulfilling as well. Um, more fulfilling than I would say just regular everyday interactions are when you're speaking with other spiritual people it kind of ups that vibration even more so I, I started doing a few different readings for free for just like a couple of my friends and things like that and what they told me was amazing because I didn't actually realize the impact that I have on other people or uh, I didn't realize that my intuition was actually pretty accurate until I started doing this with other people and I started getting a lot of good feedback and yeah so um I I do it on the side now every once in a while kind of uh every once in a while I'll pull my own kind of tarot just to keep up with things and um I find it really comforting and yeah so I've been doing that for a little while for I've gotten a couple of clients which I was pretty excited about over just uh being on Facebook and it's actually an amazing tool uh, considering how how evil social media is portrayed to be it's I've found it really great especially during this whole pandemic because I've connected with so many more like-minded people and I really think that it all has to do with your mindset and the laws of attraction whatever you are is what you're going to bring in to your life so yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think uh, it's I think social media is what you make it. I think you're in charge. I think you could you could make your own experience of social media the most stressful, anxiety inducing, depressing, violent, negative place. Or it could be a place that you look forward to going because you're like, I'm going to connect with funny people, kind people. We're going to talk about love and relationships mm -hmm. and uh you know, watch watch somebody like uh, falling off a trampoline or something, or like cat cat videos. Do you know what I mean? Ah, yeah, totally. I think it is what what you make it, and uh, you know, I've got friends who are definitely still trying to find their way with like not being on it too much or having a healthy health, healthy relationship with it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think you can you can have a great time on social media. And I think if it, if it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't have. So somebody was going on about, um, you know, restricting your social media use recently. And then a friend, another friend sent me this article about it. And I was like, it really pissed me off because as I've explained to these people who are always harping on, they're like, oh, you know, don't be on. I mean just for the record I don't tend to be on it for more than half an hour a day so it's not a lot anyway mm -hmm. and that and that time is usually very positive but I said to both of them I was like listen when you're part of a minority whether that's like part of the trans community or 
disabled community or um, postpartum depression or mm. you know often social media is the only place you find that support so when you start telling people and you haven't really thought about what their individual needs might be when you're telling people to spend less time on social media what you actually don't realize that you're really saying to them is you should be more isolated yeah because I never met another trans person uh, until I was in my 20s yeah well and honestly it could be a projection of their own experience as well maybe you need to stop telling other people to get off of social media and maybe you're the one that needs to get off social media for a while because you don't like what you're seeing exactly you yeah. know it doesn't mean that that's everybody else's experience and to your point like there's minority groups out there that are so spread apart that if it wasn't for social media or the internet we like for example you and I would have never met without social media exactly yeah and you know what? I've worked with so many people now that I've never met in in person mm -hmm. which is really weird because you know 15 20 years ago that probably pretty much never happened exactly and then you realize and it helps a lot of people realize that wow I am not alone in this world and I think that people preaching that during a pandemic like really just need to get bent because like are you really seriously telling people that can't go outside that can't go to a restaurant that can't go anywhere or experience anything to also cut out social media from their diet like what are what are we supposed to do yeah I could read more books I could paint but guess what we're in a pandemic and there's lots of time for other stuff human connection is just as important for your well-being yeah. as anything else is so yeah. social media is where it's coming from then who are you to judge yeah I agree that's well said that's well said we should put that on a t-shirt <laughs> I can spend less time doing whatever, but I don't want to, so fuck off. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, are you open to more uh, tarot um, clients? Yes, I am. I, I'm definitely open to looping in anybody uh, that would like to have a reading. Um, if they like, they can follow my Facebook page to get um, into contact with me. So uh, definitely anybody interested in the reading, I would be happy to. Yeah, cool. Provide. What's your what's your Facebook page called? Um, so uh, you can find me on Facebook at Mentorship for Magical Mediums. And my uh, you can also connect with me on Instagram at Randy X Radio. Um, and my personal Facebook page is Randy Lee. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'll put the links in the, uh, in the show notes as well. Perfect. Thank People you. You can click on it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Randy. This was, this was really cool. And we've been talking about doing this chat for ages and, um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I was looking forward to it. I'm glad that we were able to finally connect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> After <laughs> Well, it's been well. It's been a mad winter for both of us, really. It has been, yeah. It's been craziness. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Harris. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, this week for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed uh, conducting the interview. And uh, just a little reminder 
for those of you who haven't already downloaded it. I have a free PDF if you're new to the world of um, trans and uh, non-binary gender identities. Maybe you're not particularly new, but maybe you don't feel like you know everything yet or you're not super confident. So uh, this guide is free, like literally free. Uh, I had a business coach tell me this week, she looked at it and she said you should be charging a lot of money for that. So uh, maybe I will. <laughs> There's a threat for you. So go and download it while you can before I make it cost monies. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's at mcsharrishill.com forward slash PDF. Go and grab your copy. There's even a free masterclass that goes with it. So uh, yeah, it's a proper bargain. And uh, that's not just me saying it. People are now telling me it's a bargain. I'm nearly at 200 downloads. So uh, that's pretty cool. And so far, the feedback has been really good. So, other than that, uh, I will see you on the last episode of Season 2, the bonus episode where somebody interviewed me. But I'll tell you more about that uh, on the actual episode. I will uh, do my usual intro and I'll tell you a little bit about it. But basically, I was interviewed by the guy who owns Pole Lols. If for those of you who follow them... Uh, on social media, uh, Dan Rosen, he is a pole teacher, instructor and uh, champion. He's really cool and we had a really good conversation. He's quite new to the to the whole topic of gender identity and so are many of his followers. So I went on and he interviewed me and we talked about it and uh, yeah, I, f I think it was pretty good, although uh, we did have a few tech issues, so I'll, I'll, I'll clip those bits out. <laughs> All right, I will see you next time. Take care.